Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Effortless Swimming podcast. This is part three of a three-part podcast series I'm doing with swim coach Jeannie Jones. The first episode was on cues and analogies for faster swimming. The second episode was on gear that we use for swimming. And the third one is all about racing and rhythm. So how to achieve better results in your triathlon or your swimming races. So here we go. Let's get into it. This is Annie Jones from Boulder, Colorado. Racing and rhythm is really the, um, I guess, the final piece of the, the puzzle once you've got your technique dialed in and you're familiar with each part of your stroke. So this is probably the, the thing that takes the most time to get used to, I think. And what, what do you sort of um, look at when you're, you're looking at someone's rhythm what are you what are you looking for um i'm trying to look at something that matches their somatotype so if they're smaller they need um a faster rhythm or cadence if they're bigger it can be a little slower i i started to notice um a trend of and it was watching katie ledecky and getting her cadence that she has a really nice gallop which is the one side of her body is to a two count and the other arm to where she breathed is a one count. And then it allows you to surge and reach further because it's almost off kilter a little bit. And I know there's been some coaches here in the States that are writing these articles saying, breathe bilaterally, lie flat, you know, get rid of the limp. But actually in open water, it's very, very, very helpful, helpful because it helps you ride the surge and and actually engage so if i see somebody with that i actually try to enhance that and i'll do that sometimes by putting a bigger paddle on their slower side and a smaller paddle on the side that's that they have a faster hand speed underneath and through the air because it actually is something that if they can tap into they don't have to be perfect but it creates a rhythm for them that really works yeah, and that's um, if, if you can't sort of visualize what we're, we're talking about here, just look up Katie Ledecky uh, on YouTube and just have a look at some of her racing videos. And if you look at any open water, um, open water races like the you know, the, the US 10K um, national final and things like that, you'll see a, a lot of swimmers who have got that sort of gallop. You know, the, the longer distance swimmers tend to have that that gallop a bit more. And it yeah, basically just means that one side is either you know, recovering or pulling through that little bit slower. So it's almost like a sort of one-sided type of stroke instead of the very symmetrical bilateral breathing um, type of stroke that, um, that you, know, you see some is doing. And um, do, do you tend to uh, use what people are doing or do you sometimes try and let's, let's say someone didn't have that gallop in their stroke but you think it could benefit them would you help would you try and help them develop that or would you stick with what they're doing and then try and make the most out of that if that makes sense um i, I usually try well going back to the gallop the reason even horses gallop is it's very easy recovery and momentum there's no effort 
bringing a hoof or a leg forward in a gallop. And, and that's why with longer distance it really works. But I do try to look at the swimmer and, and look for something they're doing right. Like if they're very flat swimmer and they like breathing both sides, you know, we can work with that. But I do have to look at the size of the, that they are because there's, you know, a lot of really small people that have been told distance per stroke and they really need um, more tempo and a faster rhythm. And there's also people that don't connect to the um, trainer, the Finis tempo trainer. So I'll do a song list for them if with the tempo, you know, that they need to get in their, their head. So, um, but I do try to look, because it's not that one thing is better than the other thing. So many things will work, but some things require so much more time and energy. And you, with some athletes, I don't have four years of bilateral breathing and 10,000 a day. They have two years where they're trying to make it in their career, and they need the fastest and the easiest way possible. So sometimes it's not learning something new. It's actually enhancing what they're doing that works. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. And I, I kind of you know fall in the same camp, and especially with the with the breathing. So sometimes when we'll have swimmers come to clinics, they'll say, "Well, I'm breathing bilaterally because I read that you should you should do that." And while I think it can be important to just develop a, a fairly even stroke when you're you're training, you know, at least breathing bilaterally every now and then, um, breathing to the one side for a lot of people is a lot more comfortable when they're racing, and you get the a bit more oxygen in that way as well. So. Don't be afraid to breathe bilateral, um, breathe to the one side if that's more comfortable for you and it helps you with your with your rhythm. So there's no hard and fast rules with any of this stuff. It's what works best for you. Well, and I do think if you got points for prettiness, for high elbows, for taking less breaths, you know, then you'd want to do it. But I know I live at altitude and I want as much air as I can get. And if I incorporate the breathing into my rhythm and that's that's actually what the gallop does your breathing side you actually are faster on the recovery on that side so it keeps your breathing a little more disciplined and a little more focused even though you're breathing every stroke mm. and and that's another thing that um i really really liked when we did the session at swim labs is um you spoke about don't be afraid to be messy that's one of the things that you tell your um, tell your swimmers is don't be afraid to create, you know, create a bit of sort of splash on entry and, um, and not be really pretty with the stroke because, as you said, there's no points for it. It's about who gets from A to B the fastest way. So, um, yeah, there's te- technique is in, important, but don't try and have the perfect technique at the sacrifice of your speed. Exactly, and I, and I think that's confusing for some new people because they think there's a right way and a wrong way. And actually there's many ways, but some ways take longer than other ways. So you want to look at the time someone has, what they want to achieve and how you can help them get there. And, and to me, I'm a huge believer in longevity. I saw a 90 year old swim of 400 IM and by the end last weekend and by the end I was in tears and I thought, you know, I wouldn't say it was beautiful, but it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. That's awesome. Was that at U.S. Uh, Masters Nationals? 
Yeah, and it was it was just amazing because it, it's it's just hard sometimes going back into a sport you've done, but you see somebody doing it for so long, and you think that's the whole point to add enjoyment into your life and fitness. And even sometimes when you talked about being ready to race, you know, and people say they're nervous, and I try to think of it as like two horses on a Roman gladiator, the stand-up chariots. There's a white horse, which is your hopes and your dreams, and a black horse, which is your fears. And you really need to harness both of them and try to let them carry you. So if you're not nervous, it's not going to work. And if, if you're not hopeful, it's not going to work. So you really need to have you know, that energy carry you forward. Yeah, and I've heard the saying somewhere, but I think it's like it... If you know, if you're not nervous before a race, then that's when you should be worried. You know, you want those you want those nerves at least at least a little bit of nerves because that's what's gonna that's what's gonna fire you up and that's what's gonna um, real that what's what makes you care about the the race and the results. So um, you you want those nerves and you know to be able to harness them is the um, is really the key and and something that I find. Um, can help a lot of swimmers is just their their pacing at the start of a race especially for a a triathlon anything over really an olympic distance triathlon is um with most of my athletes i'll i'll get them to go for easy speed at the start and this is a a concept that's used mostly in pool swimming and yeah i'd say most pool swimmers are familiar with easy speed but if you haven't been in the sport before it it might be a new concept and and what easy speed is is where you're looking to go out fast but keeping the the effort just down a few percent so that your heart rate stays that little bit lower and you can you kind of go within yourself and just um and just don't allow the the heart rate to to really push out too high and so you're trying to go for that speed but it's still feeling easy to you and um, and, and that's what I try and get my half Ironman, my Ironman distance athletes to do is to go out fast but make it feel easy and then settle into a rhythm that they know that they can maintain for the ma- majority of the race there. So um, easy speed, it's, you know, it's that dichotomy there. But when you get the feeling for it, it's, um, it's just a great way to, to pace a lot of your, your races at the start. Oh, I, I totally agree. And so I'll do easy speed rhythm and then get into a power phase where they can actually start really pressing power once they're relaxed but you know going back to Katie Ledecky when Bruce Gemmel told her to relax last year just during the 1500 she ended up breaking the world record but she said she was just so relaxed so the dichotomy of easy speed is really hard for people but when you think of even Yoda saying there's no such thing as There's do or do not. There's no such thing as try. So you do it, but then you you allow your heart rate and your breathing to relax, and that you can control. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, I think one of the best ways to develop it is in in training when when you're doing some variable pace work. So let's say you're doing six 200s, and you might be descending or building one to three, so three and six of the, the faster ones, and... Um, and when you get to those faster ones, try to take out the first half or the first third at that easy speed where you can feel that your, your rating's still up a bit, 
but you are just holding back that little bit, but the speed's still up there. So whenever you've got that that harder or the higher intensity stuff in training, that can be a really good time to practice that easy speed. And also the rhythm as well. So just finding that, that rhythm to settle into um, after you've gone through that easy speed phase. I also call that Chinese takeout, you know, where you do, you have to really go out and then settle. So the settling comes from breathing and intent and focusing on your autonomic nervous system and heart rate and letting it go, but not at the expense of the speed. So the mistake I see is people, when they try to relax, slow way down, and it can't be that. You have to get the speed going and then relax into that speed. Mm. And and I had um, uh, a coach, uh, Grant Giles, on the podcast recently, and and one of the things he mentioned was that he he feels that most – age group triathletes don't go hard enough in the swim they go they just take it too easy so they're trying to keep it relaxed but to the extent that they're just just sort of plodding along and and their heart rate isn't uh yeah isn't as high as it as it could be and while you don't want to completely burn yourself out on the swim the swim is where your heart rate can actually be that that little bit higher compared to the bike or compared to the run because you actually it's it's the shorter event and then you kind of get the time to recover a little bit on the bike so um so for anyone listening see how you go by taking out that swim just a little bit harder in your next race and see how you go and see if it does affect your your bike and your run well and to me sometimes i call it it's almost like getting through the threshold we go oh it hurts and you back off and oh it hurts and you back off but once you get through the doorway or the threshold it doesn't hurt anymore and getting yourself out fast in that good position um, is so, is just very much worth it because that's where the it's just you're getting set up for your whole race. So um, we talked about it last podcast, but with the ITU um, triathletes, if they miss the first group, they might as well stop. Yeah, so it's um yeah you you've really got to be comfortable with with going out at that that threshold and with um. Yeah, with my triathletes, we've been doing a lot of threshold work in training. So, yeah, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week is um, for for a main set. It's just it's just at threshold. So it'd be anywhere from fifteen hundred to depending on on the part of the season they're at up to up to three k at threshold. Where we'll, we'll break it down to. Uh, what might be like eight four hundreds, or it could be ten two hundreds, or anything along those lines. But it's uh, so ten two hundreds at twenty to thirty seconds rest. But it's all at at that threshold pace, and the threshold is is hard and fast, but it's sustainable. So to get comfortable with that feeling and that sort of effort, um, it's yeah, it's not very comfortable at the start, but after a couple of weeks, the body adapts and. It, it actually starts to enjoy that threshold pace where it can just really um, settle into it and then maintain it for as long as you you need to. But it's just about being comfortable and developing that through doing that sort of stuff repeatedly. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, in terms of uh, um, finding the finding a comfortable rhythm, I think a lot of that a lot of that can come from something that we were talking about in the, the first podcast with the, the cues and analogies, but by making sure you keep the recovery relaxed. So um, 
you know, when you're recovering over the top of the water, the forearms and the hands should be quite loose and relaxed. You don't want any tension through them. And if, if you do that and you also punch the monkey like we were talking about where you get that drive and that purpose out the front when you're entering in the water, I think that's sort of half the, half the battle for, for swimmers is, is keeping relaxed, punching the monkey out the front and using that to help develop the, the rhythm and building on, on that. Right, and I also call the hand thing hula hands because when you see a hula dancer, there's space between the fingers. So rather than cup, just really relax your hands so that you're using all the surface area of your hands. Yeah, and um, and Wayne Goldsmith, who's a friend of mine and a coach, he, he calls it soft hands as, as you're pulling through. So, you know, soft hands basically means you're keeping it firm, but it's not tense and it's not uh, not cut because it's that's just um, it's kind of wasted energy if you if you've got too much tension through the hands and and one of the things I've I think we spoke about on the the very first podcast we did a couple of months ago was um, the dichotomies of, of swimming and I think that's probably good to touch on on again for people who haven't heard that before so can you just talk a little bit about the, the dichotomies of swimming um, there's a lot of dichotomies in swimming and once you want to be active and relaxed at the same time. You wanna be um, engaged, but then you wanna let go. So there's so many things that don't feel like they work together because they're either end of the spectrum, but swimming really does incorporate everything. You know, you wanna be aware, but then you also wanna be back in the moment so that you're enjoying it. So there's, there's so many dichotomies that come up um, I find with, you know, rather than plow through, you want the grace and the movement through the water, but then you want the focus and the intensity and the strength and the power. So you end up engaging and then letting go and being strong and then also being, you know, not weak, but very relaxed. You end up being, you know, kind of graceful, but then very, very much, um, committed and deliberate. So it really ends up incorporating everything. You can't say that it's, you know, it, to me, swimming is so much like ballet where it's, it looks very feminine and very lovely, but it's really tough and it's, it's very hard and you have to be really strong to do it. And swimming is like that because it really involves both ends of the spectrum. That's why I think it's such a such a beautiful thing to watch is when you're watching a, a top swimmer just glide up and down the pool and they, they make it look so, they make it look so easy but you know deep down that it's actually it's very hard work and um, well it's, yeah it's like the name of, of your podcast it's effortless swimming when when you become so good and graceful at something it looks effortless but it's really not. It, it's taken years and it's taken a lot of strength and it's taken a, a lot of control, you know, and even a lot of different ways to do it. So it looks effortless, but it's actually not. Yeah, ab absolutely. And um, and when I was thinking about, when I first started Effortless Swimming, I thought, well, what's um, what's a name that that kind of fits with, with what my beliefs are about swimming? And it's yeah it's it should be 
Fastamine should be relaxed swimming and effortless swimming. So it's it doesn't mean you're just going to be floating up and down the pool with, um, you know, with with no sense of effort. It's it's about getting to that stage where you've kind of you've you've developed to the stage where swimming can be effortless but fast. But it does take a lot of hard work to to do that. So it's not just about that sort of ladi da land where you um, can just switch off completely. It's it's about going through the process to reach that stage of effortless swimming no i think it's a phenomenal name and it it puts a lot of the right things in your head because you know you want to put effort in but you put in so much effort and research that then you don't have to anymore in training anymore so once you it's kind of like um the thomas jefferson saying or seneca that um Preparation and opportunity is what luck is, and that to me is what effortless is. If you put in the preparation and the training, and then you have the opportunity, it's actually effortless. I love it. And, and any the, just some um, some final words for someone who might be listening to this. So, what's what's your sort of uh, I guess philosophy on on swimming? What is it that you most enjoy about it, and, and what is it that draws you to to swimming? Um, I think to me, uh, I find swimming very um, nurturing and and relaxing, and I love the longevity of it, and I hope there's so much beauty in it that I hope people end up experiencing it beyond, you know, their age group years, beyond their college years, beyond their triathlon years, through their life, because I, I really find it, you know, a source of great exercise, of camaraderie, of being able to travel and have conversations like this. And there's so, there's so much beauty in it. And there's so, there's so many ways that even swimming nurtures you and help you enjoy who you are and, and what you want to do. You're always able to set goals, to travel to great places, to meet wonderful people. So it's just this amazing thing that the saddest thing I hear um, sometimes is, oh, I used to swim. And I loved being at um, U.S. Masters Nationals last weekend. I uh, didn't have the best meet, but so many of my friends from college are starting to come back. And I love that because, you know, I think that we have a future that's longer than we know in swimming because, you know, it's so much better than being on land or being on a bicycle it's it's just an amazing thing that can last your whole life yeah and and i've found a lot of my best friends have come from swimming because you you, know, you go through the same journey together if you're swimming in a squad and um and you have those you share those early mornings together those late nights and and trips away to competitions as well and you know it really takes i think a, it takes a a swimmer or an athlete to really understand what it's like being a swimmer or an, or an athlete. So that's, um, I, I think we're very lucky to, to have been brought up in, in the environment of swimming because it's just, just such a, a great skill to have. And I can't imagine what it would be like to, to be around the water and not be confident and not be comfortable with it. So, so to sort of be at that, um, at that place, it's uh, it, it's really great, and and as you said, the people that you meet through it. I mean, I travelled to the states a couple of weeks ago, and and we got to uh, to meet up in person, and um, and I stayed with a few other people who I'd who I'd either met through 
the the podcast or through um, just you know the email newsletters that I'd put out. Um, so just just people who who I'd kind of met through here, they were so generous and warm, and they sort of you know, took me in and um, and we we caught up and and that was all just through through swimming. So it's just um, it's a very small world, I think, the swimming world. Same with the triathlon world, and um, yeah, and to be a, be a part of it, I think it's um, we're just so lucky to be able to, to do that. So, Any, thanks so much for being on this three part podcast, and and for anyone listening, where can they find out? Uh, more about you and the, the things that, that you do. Um, I have a website that's um, www.emijones.com or to purchase a buoy, um, it's just www.emibuoy.com or I'm in Boulder, Colorado. And I'll be at a lot of open water races and I hope to see everybody there. Awesome. And and if anyone's near Boulder, like anywhere um near Denver or Boulder or, or you know within a couple of hours drive I'd highly recommend coming out to see because we did a session at the swim labs there and um, I really enjoyed it and got a lot a lot out of it so it's and that, um, and, oh exactly and swim labs has a website as well too it's just www.swimlabs.com and it's it's pretty amazing to put you in there and I really wanted to see you underwater and it I just really was glad you came in there. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it was great to um, to have my stroke pulled apart because I'm always doing that at, at clinics and I do that with, you know, hundreds of, almost hundreds of swimmers every every month. And um, to have that done for me was actually really nice, you know, you just so used to working with other people that um, it's kind of good to get that same thing for yourself. And, uh, yeah, I picked up a lot and there was one or two things there that um, I know I can work on to to get quicker so it was um just a yeah real pleasure to be able to do that with you so any thanks for being on the podcast and no doubt we'll um we'll have you on again in the future and uh really enjoyed it so thanks again thank you thanks for joining us on the effortless swimming podcast to get transcriptions bonus videos and to be the first to hear about new episodes go to swimmingpodcast.com